Welcome to Duty Free Lunch, the official podcast of the Pennsylvania State Education Association. Join us as we unpack the issues that matter most to you. From cutting-edge classroom strategies to thought-provoking policy discussions, if it impacts PSEA members, it's on the menu. Hello, and welcome to Duty Free Lunch. I'm PSEA President Aaron Chapin, and I'm here with PSEA Treasurer Rachel West. Hello, Rachel. Good morning, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's another great day here in Harrisburg. Rachel, I was thinking on the way in today, I bet you'd agree that our students and schools in Pennsylvania have some of the best educators and support staff in the nation. Absolutely. I'd put our colleagues and our members up against anybody else. I think that's part of what makes this job such an amazing one. We get to spend so much time with all of those amazing educators and support staff. But I was constantly amazed when I was back in the classroom, just how great my colleagues were and all the inventive things that they came up with. And that really leads us to today's guest. Uh, our guest is the 2024 Pennsylvania Teacher of the Year, Ashley Crossan. Uh, Ashley is a Mifflin County High School English teacher and a member of the Association of Mifflin County Educators. I was, a few weeks back, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity uh, to visit with her colleagues and meet Ashley. Uh, and I knew as soon as I was talking with her that we needed to have her on the podcast. So she's here today. And uh, it's an honor to have her uh, to discuss her award, uh, her feelings on PSEA membership, and her thoughts on the current state of teaching. So welcome, Ashley. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ashley, have you been on a podcast before? Never. <laughs> well, join the club. <laughs> this is new for us, too, but uh, just it's going to be great. We're going to talk just a little bit about your job, the award, and everything there is, and just feel at ease. It's going to be great. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, so tell us what it was like, because, well, Rachel and I have never been Teacher of the Year. <laughs> nope. Even though I'm sure I have lots of students that think that, but... What was it like when you found out that the Pennsylvania Department of Education had named you the 2024 Pennsylvania Teacher of the Year? And what was your like, what was your immediate reaction? And was it completely unexpected? Do you want the honest answer? Yeah, that's, <laughs> this is straight talk here. Uh, my immediate reaction was run. <laughs> um, so we're mentored by the, the two previous teachers of the year. So that's Elizabeth Raff and Ryan Hardesty, and they are remarkable mentors for us. And they had sort of, you know, told us, like, if your name is mentioned or if your name is called, like, you, you might not feel just joy. And I was like, okay. And, and then they went on to explain, like, all the things you're going to do in the next two years and how kind of overwhelming it is. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So then when my name was announced, yeah, my, my immediate reaction was like, oh, these other 11 people are absolutely amazing. Are you sure it wasn't one of their names on the envelope? I think it's not me. <laughs> um, but after that, then then I was, I was pretty excited. Um, I'm really looking forward to advocating for our teachers and our profession and our schools. And it's a tremendous honor. Feels like a big responsibility right now. As for completely unexpected, um, Somebody did the math for me. There was an 8% chance, you know, that any finalist would win. And so I, I guess I, like, started to warm up to the idea, but I was, always, I was also very comfortable with any of the other 11 finalists because they really are remarkable. So I, I, I don't I, know. I don't know. They don't tell you, like, what made you stand out, so the world will never know. I, <laughs> well, I'm guessing 
you, like many of us in the classroom, think that you're just doing what you should be doing and what you need to be doing and that it's just a bizarre set of circumstances <laughs> for you to be nominated in, in the first place or even to be chosen. Yeah, like, I mean, there's, you know, 10, 10 20 teachers in every district who are worthy of Teacher of the Year, if not more. And so I'm really just the spokesperson for all of us. I'm not better. I'm just holding the title. <laughs> and even more unique, Rachel, is that she comes from a very small community. I, I, I just traveled out there a couple of weeks ago, and it's just outside outside State College, correct? Mm -hmm. So yep. it's a very small community. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's that's uh, We've never had so much as a semifinalist, let alone the winner, so. That's amazing. What a great honor for your town as well. I'm sure everybody there is really excited, that community, just knowing that somebody from their community is now holding this title. Has You're a rock star. <laughs> uh, it does feel good. And, you know, I, I grew up in that community and I came back to teach there um, about 10, like 19 years into my career. And so to be able to come back and, and do something positive for my community is, that feels really good. Excellent. That's awesome. So... I know that Aaron kind of mentioned like all of us are in our classrooms doing our thing and thinking we're just doing our thing. Do you have any idea what it was that made you stand out that, you know, think was the thing that made mm. you get this honor? Um, I don't know if I have like a thing. I, I think all of the finalists definitely have certain things on their resume that, you know, are kind of atypical. Uh, for me, I'm a, a Fulbright Teachers for Global Classrooms fellow. And oh. So... I hold a national fellowship and a fancy piece of paper signed by the president, so maybe that's part of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I think I think beyond that, um, one of, like we, you have to submit three videos in your finalist round, and for my introduction video, you have to introduce yourself and, and your community. And I had all twelve hundred of the high school students in my video, wow. and they introduced our school with a big drone. Um, and so it really was cool. we had some high production value <laughs> um, going into the finals, but. I think, I think ultimately, like PDE wants to see teachers who are passionate about what they're teaching, passionate about the profession, and passionate about serving their community. And I think I try to do that most days. Well, it sounds like if you had that high school all behind you in that intro, I think that kind of shows that your community is behind you and that you are an, an important piece of that yeah. community. The nice thing about rural schools is like your school system really is your like landing point for your community. And so yep. they, they will rally behind their teachers pretty quickly. And that really is what makes up so many of our schools in Pennsylvania. You know, we always think of the big cities or the, the, the very large suburban schools, but mo a lot of our local school districts are just that small community schools and they are the backbone of these communities. Yeah, absolutely. Our, you know, our, our rural um, population is one that Maybe maybe gets a little bit overlooked, you know, in, in the political discourse and, and whatnot, especially in our purple state. Um, but there are a lot of issues facing our schools that are very similar to what faces urban districts, especially, you know, when it comes to the underfunding issue. And so that's something that I'm like, we should all be able to get behind. And I would really like to have more conversations, you know, within this role about what underfunding looks like mm. in rural areas, because so often when we talk to legislators about it, they look at, at urban underfunding. And I was like, it looks different over here, but it's still happening. So. Sure. So uh, again, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to meet you on a couple of occasions now, but I think a lot of our listeners are, would just be kind of curious to know, you know, what's your educational career look like up until this point? And where do you see it going? Because <laughs> 
for our listeners that aren't seeing you right now, you're still fairly young and <laughs> you've got a lot of career ahead of you. So where have you started? What's it look like? And where do you think it's going to start going? Yeah, sure. Um, so I graduated from college. I went to Susquehanna University and I graduated in 2011. Um, that's a doom and gloom year for public educators in Pennsylvania. Uh, so I actually, I started teaching in Delaware out of, out of college because the education cuts from Governor Corbett mm -hmm. were so yeah. steep that I couldn't get a job because there were no jobs to be had um, in that year. My own, like the district I work for now furloughed like over 50 people Which that year. Which is pretty significant yeah. considering the amount of, of, it's about 300, yeah. 300 members yeah. or so, something like that. Yeah. Um, and eventually they got called back, but like I was competing against yeah. people who had three, four years in the classroom. Um, so I spent a year in Delaware, um, and then I came back. Uh, I worked in Belfont Area School District, which is also outside of State College, for eight years and gained my sea legs there. Very appreciative for all the coaching and mentoring that I received. And then I came back home uh, to Mifflin County, and I've been there for the past four years. Uh, I have my master's degree from Penn State and a couple other things. Uh, my gifted credential. But beyond that, um, where things go from here? Well, since I hold this role, my classroom looks very different <laughs> for the <laughs> next two years. Um, I have a lot going on, you know, outside of the four walls of what I'm teaching. But I think for me, like looking at, you know, where do my feet fit within education? I'm very comfortable and happy in the classroom. I became a teacher because I wanted to work with students and I wanted to inspire the next generation. So I don't necessarily see myself leaving. Mm -hmm. However, um, I'm also sort of like in this transitional part in my career where like I've spent, a, you know, Baker's dozen of years advocating for my students and doing what I can to help them. And now I'm starting to feel that call mm -hmm. to do the same for my colleagues yep. and to advocate for teachers. So we'll see where that leads. I know that very well. I mean, again, we spend the first really third of our career just kind of getting settled, grounded, feeling like we know what we're doing. And then for a lot of us, I know Rachel and myself and Jeff, we feel the same way. It's like all of a sudden there's that, once you feel grounded, feel comfortable, <laughs> there's that next component, again, standing up for your colleagues and making sure that they're getting what they need. Yeah, I think it's part of our, our you know, sort of innate lifelong learning philosophy. That's not just like a boilerplate thing for most teachers. Like we really do constantly grow, constantly reflect. And so, yeah, that, that becomes a natural leap for some of us. That being said, I, I have no interest in ever being an administrator. I could never do their job. It's a tough so job. I'll advocate for teachers in a different way. <laughs> no, that <laughs> makes complete sense. It's funny. That's kind of a that, that bridge between the students and the teacher advocacy kind of leads into my next question for you. So I've heard you talk about the statement that a PSEA Uniserv said that really struck a nerve with you, which is what's good for the teacher is what's good for the student. Can you elaborate on what that means for you? Yeah, sure. So I I had the privilege of going to, to Gettysburg this summer. Um, that was my first trip to Gettysburg. And I don't think anybody who goes to Gettysburg doesn't fondly remember their first trip. Um, That's right. <laughs> uh, and then just immediately looks forward to the next one. Um, but I, I took the bargaining um, pathway while Excellent. I was there because we're bargaining this year and, and I wanted to you know see what I needed to do at the table. Um, but, uh, one of the Uniserve reps was, was one of our instructors and his name is Adam. And he, he was, you know, sort of talking us through like, how do you, how do you handle, you know, whether it's administrators, board members, community members or whatever, who are maybe reluctant to consider some of the, the asks or the changes that you're requesting in your CBA. 
and you know within your your community and he said like his motto is consistently what's good for teachers is good for students and it was just like like a light bulb moment for me because up until this point and I think for a lot of new educators we have this idea that the the best way to serve our students and and you know serving serving kids is at the forefront of our job and and our ideals every day and we think like well, in order to do that, I have to sacrifice myself, that I have to put myself and, you know, my family and my time and everything else on the line to, to better serve my kids. And that's how we end up, you know, with such high levels of teacher burnout. And so to hear him say, like, if you want to advocate for your students, advocate for yourself mm-hmm. was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> um, and that's just become like, I, I just felt like a huge like weight lifted off my shoulders and yeah, I don't know. It's, it was really revelatory for me. You know, Ashley, it's not the first time I've heard it. I think a lot of us as, as educators feel like it's it's just not in our DNA. We always are there for the kids first and yeah. foremost. And to ask something for us, comes. it's very foreign to educators. Mm-hmm. It really foreign. is. Just that reminder, though, that you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. Right? So we keep expecting our teachers to pour from empty cups. And if we aren't looking out for ourselves, nobody else is looking out for us either. And we are only going to serve our children well if we are being well served so it is it is that moment where you're like wait a minute why are we doing this this way (laughs) like we should definitely be looking out for ourselves too and I understand that you weren't necessarily um, very actively involved in your association until recently so what changed like what made that shift how did you end up at Gettysburg last year uh so I, I thought about this a little bit, you know, on, on my drive in and, and how I ended up here um, at this table. And I think like as cliche as it might be at this point, a few years out, it was COVID. Um, hmm. Up until then, you know, like my, my union was like doing all the union things and I, and I it was just behind the scenes for me. Um, but then COVID came and, you know, suddenly the power and the voice of our union became the thing that was like protecting us and protecting our students. And our administration was turning to us saying like, what do you need? How do we do this? Because it was, it was higher than, it was a, it was a bigger problem than they could solve on their own. And so they were willing to come to, you know, the teachers and say like, help. (laughs) And so for me, like when I saw that, then I was like, oh, like, well, what else can we do? And how else can I get involved? Um, I had a scholarship to go to Gettysburg from, you know, our, from central region. And so there are a lot of opportunities to get involved in PSEA without it, you know, digging into the pocketbook. And, mm-hmm. and for me, like, that's important. Um, but then now I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, this is giving me a way to, to be a bigger part of my profession, not just for my students, but as a professional, and that, I think, is another hard shift that's hard for teachers. Um, but PSA does a really good job kind of bridging that for us. Well, again, this isn't the first time that we, we hear this as an example. Uh, you could think, look, there's lots of things that take place in, inside school districts that teachers want to stand up for their kids. But I think back, you know, I haven't been doing this, you know, it's maybe for half my, my time as a teacher. But it started when it came after the, the cuts back in yeah. what you referenced earlier, back in 09, 10, and 11. I got involved because I couldn't stand to see these significant cuts and I got more involved. Uh, and, and that's what happens sometimes mm-hmm. for educators. Yeah. I mean, now like we, our profession has become really politicized yep. and the the strength of your union is, is what's going to kind of weather the storm, however the storm plays out. Absolutely. Exactly. So what 
what do you see as a big gap right now in the education field? Like, you know, we're talking about what we're doing to strengthen ourselves and, and, and weathering this storm. So what do you see as, as the gap in this storm? And how do you think we could remedy that? Um, I mean, the teacher shortage is definitely like a huge issue. I don't, I don't think, you know, that everybody knows that. So I don't know how much we have to talk about it. Um, but the educational funding issue and, and, you know, the commission and the report that's coming out of that is also high on our priority list. Uh, I think the other thing, and, and, you know, President, like Becky Pringle talked about this in our previous podcast, um, we have a diversity issue that we need to address. And I'm really excited um, for the ways that, that PSEA is working to do so, especially through, through Ed Rising. And so I think we have gaps, but I think we're also becoming very aware of them and, mm-hmm. and we're, we're problem solving them. Yeah. And what Ashley's referencing is in Ed Rising, we have uh, instituted this year, uh, we're, we're looking for high schools to start to identify uh, some potential uh, future educators by offering programs inside their school districts that could be during the school day or after school. Um, we're hoping that we can inspire the next generation. And that's what we're trying to do. We, we need to find educators to go into this profession. It's just not going to happen. So we need to go out into our schools and really show them the magic of what it's like to be an educator. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can fix that diversity gap that exists right now. Yeah. I, when I taught in Delaware, um, I, I had a learning support teacher and he was very professionally dressed, strong black man. I was like, how'd you end up here? And he's like, those kids need to see me here. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, never mind. And question answered, like, whatever you want to do in the classroom, please let me know. Wow. Um, and so t- like to see that kind of play out firsthand and, and how that impacted I, I taught in a, in a high minority school in Delaware. Um, and he was absolutely right. Like I, I can be a role model to an extent, but mm-hmm. I sh- definitely shouldn't be the only one. Yeah. And you know, across Pennsylvania, I mean, so many of our school districts have, we've seen the studies, so many of our school districts, so many of our kids have never seen a teacher of color ever yeah. in their high school elementary time. Yep. I'm one of them. I've, I've still not had a teacher of color oh, in wow. my entire education career and so i think that it is a huge a huge piece that is a gap and you know it's the the mirrors and windows right exactly. so everybody needs to see people that look like them and yeah. people that don't and so i i appreciate you bringing up that being a really big gap well rachel that's going to take us to our bonus round uh, so I, okay <laughs> pop quiz okay what excites you most about the future of teaching oh everything so I think I am really excited that when I go to a PSEA event, I see so many college students there. Like that, I, I didn't come yeah. to a PSEA event as a college student. I didn't so even know existed I didn't when either. I was in college. I mean, I went to Penn State. I didn't know the union existed. Yeah, I, did, I didn't either. And so that has me really energized. Um, and beyond that, I, I'm energized to see, you know, kind of where we go from here. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, like I, I'm a Teachers for Global Classrooms fellow and if I can try to find anything good that came out of the chaos that was 2020, Mm -hmm. um, it's that, you know, we had this thing happen to us at a global level. And so I think that helping students identify their global competencies and strengthen their global citizenship is like the next page Mm -hmm. in public education. And there are already a lot of states who are working to adopt those kind of standards, add those kind of certificates to their high school diplomas. And I think Pennsylvania is kind of ready to 
to take on that kind of step while we solve a lot of other things. But that's one that's in the classroom that I, I want to see. What are we doing to build the next generation? Wow. I, I, this is a great uh, gathering for us today. It's a good refresher, good reminder, just how great our teachers are in our schools, Rachel. Uh, Ashley is just one of many, but you are just a great example of what we do for our kids. So thank you for all that you do and that energy. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you for having me, and, and thank you for being such strong leadership for all well, of us. Thank you very much. And if, for all of our listeners, uh, Ashley will be around as we go through the spring and hopefully into the summer. I know you'll be coming to our House of Delegates mm-hmm. uh, in May, and hopefully maybe you'll think about coming to Gettysburg. I know you got a very packed schedule, but... It does Gettysburg, overlap, but I'm going to try to come for a few days. Well, that would be great, and uh, make sure that... Uh, you know, if you see Ashley out, talk to her because it, it she's just a, another shining example of what our uh, our educators are like in Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, we are all out of time today. Uh, our guest has been Ashley Crossan. She's the 2024 Pennsylvania Teacher of the Year. It's been an absolute pleasure, as I said, to have you on this podcast. And we can't wait to see you at the next PSEA event. So thank you again, Ashley, for coming in. And thanks to all of our listeners uh, for tuning in. If you have some feedback, perhaps a question, maybe you need some advice, please email us at podcast at PSEA.org. Again, I'm Aaron Chapin. And I'm Rachel West. And you've been listening to Duty Free Lunch. Bye for now. You've been listening to Duty Free Lunch with the Pennsylvania State Education Association. Visit PSEA.org slash podcast to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe and share. Paid for by the Pennsylvania State Education Association.